0: Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil mursaleen Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Wa baraka wa salama tasleeman kathiran ila yawmiddin Amma ba'd It's mentioned that Some people have mentioned this from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam But it's difficult to verify this As being a hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Prophet ﷺ said, according to this, Allah knows best. "Jalsa ullahi yom al qiyama, al khadiyoon, al mutawadiyoon, al khayifoon, al zakiyoon Allaha kathira." Those people who will be sitting by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala on the day of judgment, and that would mean those people who will be granted closeness and proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment are the and the mutawadiun to do khudu' <coughs> khudu' means to humbly entreat someone to humbly invoke someone khudu' it incorporates an aspect of humility and it implies that the heart is calling out and overtaking the external aspect of the body. Al Mutawadiun, those who are humble, who do not act in any kind of exulting or tyrannical way. So basically, you can see that these are soft, humble, focused people, with their entire focus on Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Al khaifun, they're fearful that Allah may not accept. They're fearful that they may not be fulfilling the rights of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the more we learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more we understand that there are rights of Allah to be fulfilled. He has a certain right. That's why the awliya, they say, مَا عَرَفْنَاكَ حَقَّ ما عرفتك We may have recognized you, but we haven't recognized you to the level that is your right to be recognized. So the haq of it. Because the more you... You see, when there's anybody, when you see them first time, you may not consider them to be anything great. The more you learn about them, their knowledge, their position, their influence, then it suddenly fills your heart up about that person. Whereas when you first saw them, you thought, it's just another normal person. The more a person knows about Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala they understand that there's a lot of respect that has to be given to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala while he is very clement and forgiving and he pardons a lot and he's very merciful and very forbearing but when you know now then you have to be more careful now if it's a person that other people respect but the person doesn't really have anything and there's no substance there to start with then it's not going to have the same effect it may have initially an effect but eventually people will see through that but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is everything so there's no way that can there's no way that there's going to be anything that is going to be a matter of deception it's going to be just very clear-cut anybody who starts to see his names, uh, think about his names, read the Quran about it start to feel Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their life then they will understand this so this is the state. These are the people who've reached that state because they are خاضعون, Mutawadiun, خائفون, and ذاكرون Allah كَثِيرًا and they are those who remember Allah abundantly. So if we can get ourselves—I mean, that's essentially a goal—that if we can get ourselves to be of that state somehow, then we will be close to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That's the description of those people. Now, one thing you can take from this narration is that uh, generally a person is more like this when they're sitting remembering Allah. It's an easier time to be of those characteristics. Uh, In normal you have to do many things in your daily life and it's very difficult to sometimes have that demeanor. Although generally a person who is filled with the dhikr of Allah they it will eventually overcome them and dominate them in that state. So wherever they are, you, you'll, you you can feel something about it. But that's that's left to our gauging. That's not even necessarily accurate. The main thing is that at least when a person is in the dhikr of Allah, in a gathering of the dhikr of Allah, this should be their state. Mu'ath ibn Jabal عنه, is on his deathbed. And I mean, imagine people's state at death. He says, "مرحبا بالموت." Welcome, O death. Welcome. مرحب, مرحبا بزائر جاء على فاقة. Welcome to that guest who has arrived at the type of intense hunger and need, being hungry for this to come. لا أفلح من Nadima. I mean, just imagine what's going on in his mind when he's doing this, when he's saying this. What do you think are his sentiments and his thoughts when he's saying these things? You can clearly tell that you can't make up things in your last moment. You can't rehearse for it. You've not done it before. You can rehearse for a speech. You get better at them. You can rehearse for interaction with people and meetings. You learn through experience. You've never had an experience of meeting death. It's only going to happen once. It's a very serious moment so say welcome O death welcome and then he gives it a description that it's like a guest that's come in a time of intense hunger and need and then he says that the one who is remorseful is not gonna, never gonna be successful Allahumma oh Allah you know that I, did ne- I, I never loved to remain in this world. My, my uh, need to remain in this world was never so that I can have another stream running, you know, for irrigation purposes maybe, <clears throat> nor for planting more trees, because these were a farming community generally, so n- neither for that. But I used to love remaining in the dunya enjoy the vigils of the long nights that was what my focus was and for the feeling of thirst in those noon times in intense heat fasting fasting by the day praying by the night and to mix with the ulama in gatherings of dhikr. These were my three most intensely pleasurable experiences in the world. This is the only thing that used to keep me in this world. You can tell that this is a person who is well connected and understands the projection of each action into the hereafter. Anything they do, how is it going to manifest itself in the hereafter? And they've just fine-tuned it to get the best out of it. Um, dhikr, as mentioned in the Hadith, the gatherings of dhikr, doesn't have to be just in terms of dhikr as the way we understand it. Many ulama have actually given that a description of knowledge as well. Sitting and gaining knowledge, solid knowledge, that is supposed to take you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When knowledge becomes a routine, that's when it becomes problematic. So you have many ulama as well who have been through the system but they've not drawn closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except by the minimal amount that you would do by knowing so much. Do you understand? They haven't taken it really and benefited from it immensely as you would do if it's non-routine. This is not to say that you shouldn't do it. It has to be done, you have to know, you have to learn. But a person hasn't taken the full potential of that. The frame of mind wasn't right. It was maybe more about exams more about completing the course or maybe knowing something just to become more knowledgeable in the sense, in the sight of people maybe so the focus and the 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 motivation was wrong but there is still a benefit because ilm has to bring a benefit so there's still a benefit but it's not what it could have been it could have been hundred times superior to that so that's why Ata al khurasani says that Majalis al Majalis al haram That the gatherings of dhikr we're talking about, they are the gatherings in which Halal and Haram are discussed, of course with a view to follow. <clears throat> How you will buy and sell. Otherwise, we could be doing so much makruh or haram in our bay, in our, in our buying and selling. How you pray, how you fast, how you marry, how you should divorce, big issue. It impacts, I mean, marriages, they say half of faith. And if your marriage is going wrong, half of your faith is probably going wrong. And it's true because it, it's such a, you know, one is your job is going wrong. That's really impactful. But at least you can escape from that and come home and maybe look for another job. But if your marriage is going wrong and every day you're in a situation at home there's just huge tension, rowdiness, arguing then you can imagine it's going to affect your faith your salat, How is your, what's your salat going to be like? What's the fasting going to be like? Because a number of these things we do in a kind of a setting, in a family setting What the huj? how you make hajj and things like that In fact Abu Sawwar al-Adawi he was in a in a class where knowledge was being disseminated and there was a young man with him there was a young man in that gathering as well he suddenly said to them say Subhanallah walhamdulillah in the middle of studying tafsir or whatever it was he said say Subhanallah walhamdulillah so Abu Sawar got really angry he said that what do you think we're doing then you think this is something different to So that person hadn't understood, he thought that dhikr is only when you sit down specifically ritually for dhikr. Then it means that this person hasn't really got it because his dhikr is ritual and his learning is ritual. They're not full of substance. He feels that dhikr has to be very specific, that this cannot incorporate dhikr. And he thinks this ilm is devoid of dhikr. So that separation shouldn't be there. Though there is a dahiri separation in the sense that this is pure dhikr and this is dhikr in a different sense. But it all should be remembrance of Allah because that's what all of this is for and it should be for. Why are we studying tafsir or hadith or aqidah or anything like that? It should be to better know Allah and better fulfill the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is very important for anybody studying knowledge to get the best out of their knowledge. So he got really angry. And Imam Ahmad has related this in his Kitab Al-Zuhd. It is also part of the gatherings of Dhikr that Majalis al ilm Any gathering in which, any class in which uh, Ilm is taught, in which tafsirul Al-Quran is taught, the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's messenger is transmitted and the Fiqh of the Deen is learnt according to a lot of people those kind of gatherings are even superior to the gatherings of the dhikr of Allah of just pure tasbih tahmid and takbir because they fulfill the obligation of fardul aeen and fardul kifaya whereas just just pure ritual dhikr is voluntary it's extra essentially the whole crux of this discussion is that a majlis of dhikr is not just that majlis in which pure dhikr takes place but anything in which Allah subhanahu wa Taala's commands and prohibitions are discussed and learnt the halal and haram are discussed what Allah likes and what he dislikes is learnt and sometimes that can be greater and more beneficial because then When the person goes out of his dhikr gathering, he still knows how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because a lot of people, and you know, maybe he's taking it in a contextual situation where you had people who were total jahils. But they would take part in a dhikr majlis to get into uh, maybe some sort of ecstasy or wajd where they would, you know, different dhikrs are are done. Maybe they, they did that and they didn't really care about what they ate, they didn't care They didn't care about how they acted, how they bought and sold their business. And, and there's a lot of people who are like that. They think that, oh this makes you feel nice, we'll go for Umrah. So they go for Umrah. Every year they're going for Umrah but their life doesn't change at all. So it's just like they're getting a bit of a hit from this but their life isn't changing. That's why this time when we were in Umrah I really thought, I said we come for Umrah but what are we gonna get out of this except The immediate benefit and the spiritual lift so my encouragement to everybody was that let us decide on one additional thing that we will bring into our lives after this gathering after this visit you know we will either add a tahajjud to our lifestyle you know we don't do tahajjud until now let's do tahajjud Um, or ishraq prayer or something else anything in addition or if there's something that is kind of blameworthy that we still do Watching, watching a certain soap opera, or a certain series, or whatever the case is, whatever that may be, we'll give that up, we'll waste less time, or we'll go and take a class on something, you know, we will join a class and increase our knowledge of something. So do something like that, use these moments of high spirituality to make vows to do something and change something. Because we have to keep increasing, otherwise it's the same old ritual. And I think this may be what they are trying to say. Now this doesn't mean that you only then look for majalis of tafsir and hadith and so on and you miss this. It's What they're discouraging from is just pure ritualistic dhikr in which you don't know anything else. Now of course if a person does know a lot of his halal and haram but they feel spiritually down then for them majlis of dhikr is going to be extremely beneficial. In fact it's going to be necessary. Then, then. Um, Allah wa muhasibi says nasiha wa lil you should <clears throat> expend full nasiha for Allah and for the believers I mean this hadith is a famous hadith uh, act with goodwill fulfill the rights of it can translate into many different ways uh, fulfill goodwill towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by fulfilling his rights and to the believers in general by fulfilling people's rights wa fi fi amrik الَّذِينَ يَخْشَوْنَ اللَّهِ If you're going to make mashura with somebody, if you're going to ask somebody, uh, consult with somebody for an important aspect of your life, then go and consult somebody who fears Allah because they will give you a response that will be conducive to the fear of Allah. It won't be a purely a worldly response. It will be a worldly response, but while keeping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in mind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يخشى اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءَ That indeed it is only the ulama from among his servants who fear Allah. And ulama here means anybody who's recognized Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his knowledge. then these people, they really understand the rights. Fearing Allah, you can only fear him if you understand what his rights are, his position is, and his greatness and majesty is. It's easy to say that Allah is great and majestic. We all believe that as part of our faith but it's another thing to actually feel our heart filled with this majesty of Allah where the heart swells up when you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wow you know you <coughs> that's <coughs> that's what it is and the prophet said al dinun nasiha deen is nasiha we <coughs> this is a again the famous hadith which just comes under know that anybody who gives you nasiha who tells you something <coughs> who tells you something that is to our benefit like that Fakad He has expressed his love for you. So don't take anybody who tells you something <coughs> to be your enemy, though it may sound like that. Unfortunately, there are people who give nasiha. They kind of do it on a more ritualistic way where it does sound a bit military, sounds a bit aggressive. But understand deep down that there's a reason that he loves the people of Allah. He loves the deen of Allah and that's why he's saying this. We're sitting in a hotel in, in the hotel in Medina Manawara, and in the lobby there's a few chairs. We're waiting for the Ma or Haram to come or something. So on the opposite uh, side, there was a I didn't notice this first, but there was a young man. He wasn't part of our group. He had these, uh, these <coughs> shaved sides, or short back and sides, or uneven haircut. I can't remember if it was shaved or if it was just small. So this older Arab gentleman comes along and he says, um, he says, uh, is he part of your group? So I looked and I said, no, he's not part of my group. So he says, yeah, he's got this, you know, he, I understand what he was saying is that he's got the haircut. Now you don't generally see that happening, that people come and are concerned about these things, especially this which would be considered minor by many people. <clears throat> by many people, this would be considered minor, unfortunately. So. I was a bit busy because I I was entertaining the guest or waiting for the guest uh, and uh, some of his his people had already come or something like that, so I couldn't really leave them anyway. Then this person went to them and he uh, went to that person and started speaking. I don't know what happened after that, but clearly the reason he's doing this is not to shame him because he he first tried to ask me to tell him because he thought if I'm his uh, group leader or something and I know him then. It would be better coming from me because I know the person so clearly this guy wasn't just coming and grabbing him and saying this is wrong so anybody who gives you nasiha take it that he loves you he's got a love for you shaitan's gonna try to make us think that he hates me so he wants to criticize me he wants to put me down that's why he's telling me and woman and the one who acted in the opposite way what's the word for that the one who kind of Glossed over your problems, right? Um, he has actually deceived you because he's not acting to your benefit in the hereafter, for the hereafter. He's just too tolerant of you, he's never going to tell you. One is, of course, you, you know, you don't expect people to be told straight away because that puts a lot of people off. They expect some love to, uh, some trust to be built, and then after that, you tell somebody. As long as you've got that focus to do that with people. <coughs> And anybody who doesn't accept your nasiha, then he's not your brother. One thing we have to remember in this time, nobody wants to do nasiha of anybody else. To such a degree that even people on the mimbar, or in a Friday bayan or in general bayans don't want to say what's going wrong. Because they feel they're going to upset people and they won't get popularity or people won't come and listen to them. On the street as well, this is not supposed to be just the job of the ulama. This is supposed to be done between us, within families and everything. That we tell people that, look, this is not nice. Whatever the case is, there is so much more tolerance <clears throat> than there used to be before. Some tolerance, you know, the positive tolerance is a good thing, but there is just so much tolerance that we don't say anything to anybody anymore. People are scared of it. What that What that does is that if there is one person doing something which is very, very unsavory, wrong, blameworthy nobody tells them anything then that becomes accepted other people see and they think it's accepted as well now one person may have been bold enough to do something like this dress in a particular way you know say something eat something do something and if nobody frowns upon it and says something to them then others will who also had this intention in mind to do that will also start doing it it just creates a problem that's why there's a poet who says that <clears throat> they want it that nobody does Nahhi Anil Munkar, Amar Bil Ma'ruf and Nahhi anil Munkar. So then everybody becomes the same on equal footing. Individuals is the modern society, right? Post-modern society is essentially that, where there's no single morality. In, in modernity, they try to establish a single morality. But the way they were doing it was wrong, because it was all science-based. The science was king rational rationalism was king this was after post religion this is what you call modernity is post religion right in the West then we had post we have post-modernity which is basically to say that there can't be a single type of morality a single type of system there are many individual systems there are many individual moralities individual ethics and your morality is what you consider for yourself and you should allow that to be celebrated by each person that's where we're dealing with so we're dealing in that world where they've seen that a single kind of idea doesn't work because they they did it the wrong way this was after the enlightenment of in the West and so on right the Renaissance the Reformation this is what came out of it because it was just the wrong we had all of this in our earlier years and we realized that this is wrong right now in the West there's still this is still an experience. They're still going through these phases. And that's why they go so far in many cases. And we find it so difficult to understand this. Because the kind of modernity that uh, the kind of post post modernity right now is a very kind of gaseous, wax like modernity that you can just shape to whatever you want and do whatever you want. And I must respect you for that. And you must respect me for mine so while there was a certain benefit for religion in the sense that modernity just took away religion god was not that the whole society became non god centric it became rash uh, it, became, it became the, 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 int, the intelligence the, the rash the rational approach to things was sen, central in the whole thing science was central empiricism was central but then there's a number of things that broke that the world war the holocaust the atom bombs this Really threw people off that modernity and science because saying that if this is what science can do it can kill so many people Then we don't want it as much. So now you have this post-modernity, which criticizes modernity To say science is not everything Hence religion should be allowed. So while religion is tolerated Because a lot of the same sentiments still linger. They're still anti-religion. They're still suspicious of religion that's the world we're dealing with here this is why it's so difficult to be a Muslim because the whole uh, feeling behind it right the whole philosophy behind it is this that religion we've had an experience with religion which was very bad in Europe right? and um, science hasn't proven everything but now it's just let everybody do what they want as long as it's not religion because religion is still threatening for them. This is what we're dealing with today. It makes it very difficult to be religious, as you can see. And then we have certain people who claim to be religious, who do strange things, to aggravate the matter even further, to say, if this is what religion is, we don't want any part of religion. How many Muslims have lost their faith because of terrorist attacks? Because they think, if that is my religion, how can I be part of that religion? Because they don't know any better. So I think these attacks, they actually alienate Muslims. A lot of weak Muslims, it alienates them. And the very extreme end of people, it just, it, it only satisfies them. You know, the people who want to see some action, you know, in a crazy way, this is the only kind of people it satisfies. The vast majority in between, it doesn't satisfy them because it makes life just generally difficult for them. And then the other fringe, the opposite side fringe, which are the very weak, it actually takes them out of their religion that I can't relate to this, this is not my religion, they don't know any better because they don't have the knowledge of what Islam really is. They think this is what religion because they're only born in the last 15 to 20 years. <coughs> Modern war is like that. Modern war, they realize is that you can win over somebody, and bring your enemies, completely convert them, without using a single bullet. And the way to do that is, there's a number of steps. It takes, you know, 50, 60 years. But they're willing to wait to do that. And the first one, is to demoralize them. You need 15 to 20 years to do that by a number of propaganda and a number of these things. What that does is that you you take one generation, generally the children's generation or the youth generation, university going, youth generation, because they're the easiest to mold. They're not set in their ways. It takes 15 to 20 years to bombard them with an array of ideas. Obviously very cleverly, the same amount of money that goes into um, Military war and defense is going to go into this by think tanks and others of how you do this the propaganda and so on Then it takes 15 to 20 years and those people will be very demoralized about their own way and Then within that demoralization you are obviously injecting Your own way and its praiseworthiness So while it has a lot of holes, but because they're demoralized with their own way, they're going to turn around to your way And if you've seen, this is exactly what's happened in Muslim countries. They would rather be more Western than anything else. They still may be speaking Arabic or whatever it is, language that they're speaking. right? Though they'd rather be speaking some other language. And they clearly look down upon their own way. They make fun of their own way and their own life and style. And of course, there are things that happen on a physical level that makes it like that as well. So it's a very, very complicated uh, warfare that takes place on a different level. This is what we're dealing with today. We're, we could be even products of some of this to be honest. We don't even know how much we are tainted by this in terms of what we consider to be right or wrong. Is it really right or wrong? And anybody who tells us different, then we think that they are not updated enough, that they're still old fashioned. In some case that is the case, but is that the case in every case? It's a very, very complicated system that you don't even know where we are. And the Prophet said this, that a time will come when you will start seeing the wrong as right and the right as wrong. You will see the Munkar as the ma'ruf and the Ma'roof as the Munkar. And this is some manifestation of this. In some Muslim countries, in like very Muslim countries, they celebrate now Father Christmas because they don't see that as a Christian thing as such. They won't do Christmas, Christmas, but they have Father Christmas. And Christmas is much more exciting in the schools than that because they have a lot of Western teachers right, teaching English there in those countries. So Eid is not very exciting because it's got a prayer aspect, right? Whereas Christianity, there's no prayer aspect for the common person. You know the common person even in the West that celebrates Christmas, there's no prayer, it's just all gifts and a <coughs> nice, nice Christmas tree, tinsel, and lights, that's what Christmas is. And nice food, nice dinner, gifts. It's, their worship has gone out of it. There's no Christmas mass that the majority go to. They don't go to a Christmas mass or a Christmas prayer. They just do the enjoying aspects of it. That's why they say that it's not even a religious holiday anymore for them. For most people it's not. It's just a feel good factor where you can really enjoy yourself. So some Muslim countries have actually adopted some aspects of that. So it's a really, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why Allahumma adina al-haqqa wa wa al wa a very important dua for us to continue to make Oh Allah, show us the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it and show us the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it Because otherwise, who knows what's right and wrong sometimes? I'm not saying that's in everything, but in a lot of things اللهم اعذ السلام منك السلام تبارك يا الجلار و اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اللهم يا لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إننا كنا من الظالمين سبحان الله العلي الأعلى أعلى الوهاب اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد بارك We ask you to forgive us. O Allah, We ask you to guide us. O oh Allah, grant us insight. O oh Allah, grant us purity. O oh Allah, grant us the right motivation. O oh Allah, grant us the himma to to do those things which please You. O oh Allah, we ask You to, we ask You to embellish us with beneficial knowledge. O oh Allah, keep us away from harmful knowledge, from useful, useless knowledge, from redundant knowledge. We are in a time of great distraction and great wasting of time. O Allah, we are part and parcel of this. O Allah, we ask you to assist us, guide us, illuminate us. O Allah, O Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. O Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. O Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court. O Allah, make our surroundings conducive for our worship of you. O oh Allah grant us purity in our heart. Grant us your love in our heart. Grant us love for your obedience in our heart. O oh Allah, grant us dislike for your disobedience so that it will make it easy for us, easier for us to avoid your disobedience. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to repent and to know you as much as is the right of knowing you, to worship you as much as is the right to worship you. O oh Allah, we ask you for afia, we ask you for well-being. Oh Allah, we ask you for your clemency, we ask you for your mercy, we ask you for your blessing. O oh Allah, bless us all. Don't turn us away from here without being forgiven. Oh Allah, forgive us all. Accept these gatherings. O oh Allah, accept these gatherings of dhikr. However incomplete, however weak, and however flawed they may be, O oh Allah, we ask that you bless us all here and those all those who are listening. O oh Allah, bless us all, bless the entire Muslim ummah. O oh Allah, fulfill our permissible needs. Assist us, assist us and accept us for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, accept us for the service of your deen. Our oh Allah, accept us and protect us and protect our progeny until the day of judgment from all of the fitna, all of the challenges that are out there that seek to subvert our faith O Allah we ask you for a true understanding of our faith show us the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it and show us the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it O Allah grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed and O Allah we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the hereafter and grant us his righteous company سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العلم.